we want to open our hearts to Mitzi, but above all to the Lord who is speaking through her. So open our hearts, but also release Mitzi into what you have for her to share this morning. And also, Father, we pray that she would know that peace and that rest, that she's in the right place. She's in the Father's heart and in his love, and she can release words that will bring life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? Um, can you hear me now? Okay, I'll keep talking. Um, thank you for the opportunity to, to minister to you all. Um, I thought I had a quite a simple message, although it didn't make any sense to me. I just had to trust the Lord that it's what he wanted um, me to say. Um, I'm going to read two passages of scripture. We're going to look at the life of Zacharias in the book of Luke and also Moses <coughs> in Exodus 4. And we're going to look at how two people, two different people, responded to instructions from the Lord. So in Luke 1 and verse 5, I will just read. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abbey, Abbey. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God, in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, according to the custom of the priest's office, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing um, on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fell, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. I'm going to skip a large part of what the angel spoke to Zacharias about, and jump to verse 18. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? So he prophesied about the forthcoming child, the child's name, what the child would do, how the child would behave, and the child's task and accomplishments. After the angel told Zacharias this prophecy in great detail, Zacharias said to the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said to him, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God, and am sent to thee, and, and am sent to speak unto thee, and show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day these things are performed, because thou hast not believed my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. So here we have Zacharias, who him and his wife, according to scripture, came from the line of Aaron, the, the, the lineage of priests. And they were both from the same 
lineage and they both married within that kind of task and that kind of custom. And they were faithful people. They were honourable people and they were blessed. However, they didn't have a child. So Zacharias, as the, the Bible indicates, he's doing his normal duties according to the customs of his office. And he sees an angel, and we know he sees the angel because the Bible says so. Fear fell upon him. The angel goes into great detail about this prophecy, that, that the Lord has heard your prayers, and you will have a son. And he gave Zacharias the name of the child and gave him a lot of detail about what the child would do. And it's interesting that Zacharias, who was a priest, that his response was not quite what the angel expected. His response was, well, how will I know? Well, perhaps he should have known because the angel told him what he had been praying about. The angel told him that you will have that child, that child that you prayed about years and years and years before. Not only will you have the child, but this is his name. This is what he'll do. This is what he'll accomplish. This is how he'll live. And this is what he'll do on my behalf. But yet, the priest, the one that represents people, the one that has the custom of burning the incense, the first thing that came out of his mouth was unbelief. It is not a good thing to be served by people who have no faith in the God that we are serving. So he demonstrated his unbelief by what came out of his mouth. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the angel then had to say, do you know who I am? I am Gabriel. He may have had his hands on his hips. <laughs> he said, I stand in the presence of God. That's the, the power, that's the access I have in my, in my authority, in my office, that I can stand in the presence of God, unlike some of you, unlike you, Zacchaeus, because you fell on your face. Was it awe? Was it conviction? Was it sin? Was it fear? You fell on your face. I can stand before God, and God can trust me to come and give you a message, to come and tell you what he has said about you. And yet you question me, yet you doubt me. You have unbelief, and you're the priest. I'll give you a sign. How, how about if I give you a sign? And let's, let's, let's make you the sign, Zacharias. You will not be able to speak. You will be deaf and you will be dumb. In, in looking into the scriptures and, and, and contemplating why the angel did this, there were three things that came to mind. Number one, he was being punished. He was being punished for his unbelief. Secondly, if he was not silenced, what would he have said to his friends? Would he have come out full of faith or would he have come out with criticism, scepticism, doubt and unbelief? He was further punished so that God could silence him and give him the opportunity to reflect 
on himself. Often we go through periods in our life where it seems like things are not working. But we often need to think about ourself and our ways and our behaviour. We need to think about the things we say. We need to think about our beliefs. Here was a man that was used to doing the customs of his office. He was operating in, in serving the Lord religiously. Anything outside of the ordinary, he couldn't adjust to. He couldn't receive. He was set in his ways. So when he is told that his prayers are going to be answered and what God will do in his life, he couldn't believe it. It was, it was, it was amazing. So he's silenced. We see the benefit of his silence months later when Elizabeth has the baby and it's time to name the baby. So she's surrounded by her family and her relatives and her kinfolk. And they've come to this naming ceremony and she says, I'm going to call him John. Now at this time, we see the, the first glimmer of opposition to what God had prophesied in their life. Her relative said, but there's no one in your family called John. You can't call him John. Because that's not done. That's not the done thing. We're used to what we're used to getting. But she, but she was adamant, no, his name is going to be John. And sometimes when there's opposition and you don't budge and you stand your ground on what God has told you, the devil may use another tactic. So they turned to Zacharias and they tried to use division. Well, Zacharias, what do you think? What do you think he should be called? Because you clearly can't think that it would be John, as Elizabeth thinks. But Zacharias, he beckoned for something to, to write on, and he wrote upon this instrument that his name will be John. And they were all amazed. The months of reflection that Zacharias had had brought him to a position where he was now in agreement with God. And in that agreement, God loosened, loosened his mouth and he was able to speak. And they all marveled at the release that Zacharias had. And the first things that came out of his mouth was no longer doubt and unbelief, but he praised God for the accomplishment of the prophecy that he prophesied about. What are the things that that you say, do you negate the prayers that you have prayed to God? Have you prayed them so long ago that you can't remember? Have you prayed them to the extent that when you are told, when there are indications that God will bring it about, do you look into the natural and say, but it can't be, I'm too old, my wife's old? Did God not know the age of Zacharias or his wife? Did, did God make a mistake? Was he having an off day? No, he wasn't. But yet Zacharias had his eyes firmly fixed on the natural. He was a man representing people in a spiritual office, but he didn't have spiritual eyes. He was just looking at the natural things. The Bible says in Galatians 3 and verse 1 to 3, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? 
before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. It goes on to say that having begun in the spirit, you are now made perfect in the flesh. Who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched me? There are times when I don't believe the things that God has said he'll do in my life. And as I meditated upon the word this morning, I had to repent. I had to ask God to forgive me for not having faith in him and in the prayers I've prayed from years ago. We cannot walk our walk of faith by looking at the natural. We can't be double-minded. The Bible says, if we are, we are, in sta- we are unstable in all of our ways. Not just some of our ways, not just our godly ways, not just our ways on a Sunday morning, but in all of our ways. Every area of our life will have instability because we don't have that firm foundation that I, met, that I spoke about uh, last time I was ministering, when I spoke about the boxing stance. We need to be firmly founded on what God has said about us and trust that he can do it. I'm going to read uh, the other passage in Exodus 4. Excuse me. And we're going to look quickly at Moses and how Moses responded to, to God when he saw him at the burning bush. Now, unlike Zacharias, Moses was doing his, his business with the, with the sheep or the herd. I can't quite remember. And he's confronted by a burning bush, not even an angel. This bush that is on fire, and there's the voice of the Lord. And God tells Moses what he's going to do through his life to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And in verse 3, we read, sorry, in verse 1, we read the response that Moses gave to God after God told him what he was going to do. Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord has not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said to Moses, Put forth your hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared unto you. And the Lord said, Furthermore, put your hand into your bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put your hand back in your bosom. And he put his hand back in, and he plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. Now, what I want to to illustrate is that Moses, unlike Zacharias, he didn't say, God, how how will all this happen? I'm not quite sure that what you've said will happen in my life will happen. The, The response that Moses had is often like our response. But God, how will you use me? They won't believe me. Who am I? I'm just a mere mortal. 
they won't believe me that I'm, I'm coming in your authority. I can't speak. I've, uh, I've got blood on my hands from years ago. I, I'm not a leader. I'm not equipped, Lord. I can't do what you've called me to do. So God says, is that so? Let me show you. Let me take what you've got in your hand, which was the rod. And he said, throw it on the ground. And we know the story, that the, that the rod became a serpent. But what is interesting when I considered this passage is that he ran from the rod. And in meditating upon that, the Lord showed me that often what he has equipped us with and what he wants to use, he may give us a glimmer, he may give us an unction, he may give us words, he may give us confirmation. When we do begin to use it, it frightens us and we run from it. We run from it not only because of the fear of how God wants to use us, not only because of perhaps our insecurities of how we see ourselves, but sometimes we don't want to pay the price to do the things he wants us to do. We don't want to make the sacrifice. If, when God said to Moses, go and pick it up by the tail, to me, that's almost the worst part of the snake to pick up. Because you pick it up by the, the tail and the head can still bite you. But God wants us to confront the things that we are afraid of. Under his guidance, under his anointing, he wants us to take those fears, those challenges, those issues, those hindrances, those obstacles. He wants us to take them by the tail. Fear, there's an acronym for fear, F-E-A-R, can also mean false evidence appearing real. Sometimes some of the fears we have, they're not true. They are not true. Sometimes in an inner voice that keeps us stuck, it can keep us from getting what we want and becoming who we honestly deep down want to be. We are more often frightened than hurt and we suffer more from imagination than from reality. God wants us to confront those things and to trust him enough to pick up the snake by the tail. To trust him. When Moses picks up the snake, it became a rod. The rod represents the power and authority of God. Moses always had the power and authority of God in his hand, but he never knew how to use it. It was not for him to use as he wills. It was for him to use as God instructs. And by doing so, it became a mighty sign. It became an opportunity to overcome evil and darkness. And we must learn to trust God. We must move away from the customs that we're used to. We must move away from the mindsets that we're used to having. We need to repent. We need to reflect. We need to have an opportunity in this busy life of ours to quiet ourselves 
and allow God to speak to us. We have to fight as individuals for that space where we can be in God's presence, where we can pray, where we can meditate upon his word. We can even fellowship. We need to fight for it because we need it, because God is talking to us. So we see that Moses, he picked up the serpent, it became a rod. And what what I also saw in God's loving kindness was that he took, he took it a stage further. He said, you know what, Moses, it's not about you, me and the rod. It's not about the gimmick. It's not about the rod. It's not about the anointing oil. It's not about your customs and your religious ways. It's about me. It's about me operating through you. It's about us. And to show you that it's about us, I don't want what's in your hand. I want your hand. He said, Moses, put your hand in your bosom. So he put his hand in his bosom, and out it came. It was leprous. He couldn't run from the leprosy because it was his hand, the way he ran from the serpent. He had to trust God. God had backed him into a corner. And God said, now put it back. Put it back in your bosom. He put it back in and now it came. He was cleansed. He said, it's not about the gimmicks. I want you. I want your hand. I want to use you. Allow me to do that. Allow me to operate through you. What do you think that did for Moses' faith? He started off by saying, but God, they're not going to believe me. You may think, God, I can't do what you've asked me to do. I can't minister your word. I've got issues. I've got my weaknesses. I've got my frailties. I've got my ways. God, I'm, I'm sinful. I'm still going through my challenges. I mess up. But God is saying, it's not about you. It's not about even the gifts that you have. I give you the gifts so that you could function, so that you could operate in the world, so that you could be the head and not the tail, so you could be a blessing to people. But ultimately, you're my tool, and I love you. And I want you to trust me, and I want you to come closer to me. I want you to overcome those things that you fear so it's just me and you, so I can operate through you. So when I ask you to do something, when I instruct you to do something, you will do it. Because we have a deeper relationship than what you thought it was going to be. Too many people are thinking of security instead of opportunity. They seem to be more afraid of life than death. But we have, we have to know that there is a price to be paid. And we know that Jesus has paid the price. We have to know who we are in God And we have to challenge our mindsets. We have to deal with our ways of thinking that block out God's anointing, that block out his blessings. And we have to crucify our flesh with its affections and lusts because he wants to use us. He wants to bless us. He's got things that he needs us to accomplish. This is not a time to be religious. It's not a time to be caught up in fears in woes, in, in, in having a victim mentality. If we do the thing that we fear, the death of fear is certain. The devil wants us 
He wants to lure us out of our comfort zone. And sometimes our comfort zone is also the place of security. There's a particular program that my, my husband likes to, to watch. It's, a, it's based on circuit training back in the, um, in the kind of Arizona desert. And there's a particular, um, uh, it's like an assault course. And uh, one of the events that the two opponents have to do, they enter this circle and they have to fight one another. And the winner of the fight goes on to compete the final stage of this competition. So they grapple and they try and throw each other out of the ring. And the devil wants to throw you out of your ring. He wants to throw you out of that place of provision, of protection. He wants to throw you out of that place where God is doing a work <coughs> in your life. And sometimes the work may seem like nothing's happening. It may be that period of silence where you, you just can't understand why God's not answering my prayer. Why is it that nothing's happening, Lord? Well, perhaps it is that period of silence for you to reflect, for you to contemplate on yourself. Maybe that's what it takes because no one else can tell you. So God has to silence you. Even the ground has fallow time so that it can replenish itself. It can gain nutrients and bring forth fruit. How much more us? We need to learn to trust the Lord because we know that greater works we shall do. All of the things we have seen where we may have our customs and practices, they are indications of what God has done and, what, and how he functions and how he operates. But what he's done is not for us to remain there. It's for us to stand on and to go forward and to trust him as he works in our life so that he can, he can demonstrate his power. We cannot imagine that the God of truth would delegate such power to an imposter. You and I are not imposters. We're not imposters. He didn't choose us because there was no one else. He chose us by design. And it doesn't matter what you think about yourself, just as Moses Moses came to God with all of these excuses and reasons and God just operated through him. He challenged him and he stretched him. And we are not imposters and we are not fraudulent people and we shouldn't behave as if we are. And I'll finish there. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You may have been a Christian for a long time, or you may be exploring the possibilities of a relationship with God. Wherever you are in your journey of life, please feel free to contact us at Woolwich Community Church if you would like any further information on today's message. We will be happy to talk with you, pray with you, and help you in any way we can. Please see the information below in our bio on how to get in touch with us. Have a blessed week. And God bless.